0: Welcome to episode 214 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine: Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting
1: Podcast.
0: Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat, to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFpodcast with code IFpodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
1: New customers can use the code CLEAN for all 20 for 20% off their first order. BeautyCounter.com/slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome.
0: This is episode number two hundred and fourteen of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon and I'm here, with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And this will not be applicable when this airs, Jen, but happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Are you
2: Doing anything for it? Well, no, not specifically. You know, one son's in California. Will was actually in Savannah yesterday, but they all remembered me and sent me things and made sure I had a little something. (laughs) It's really nice now that they're grown up because they're boys. You know, boys are not like girls, I think, when it comes to celebrating your mother. But
0: (laughs) anyway. My brother, he actually, my mom's in Florida right now, and he randomly just flew down to surprise her. It's such a nice thing.
2: That's really nice. I woke up with the, the, the potted plant on the doorstep with no card or anything. And and I was like, where did this come from? Because Will's in Savannah. And he, I've had a friend deliver it overnight, which is really funny. He had a friend? Yeah, deliver it. A friend delivered it. Yeah, I thought that was fun. He was thinking of me. Anyway, can I just celebrate with you that my life is back to normal? Yes, I was going to say congratulations, it's actually better than normal. I mean, I feel like I've got a whole like freedom. I submitted my book two days ago. I had my delayed <laughs> due date. It's my own fault that I couldn't get it done because I did all these new projects in between. I mean, you know, started the delayed on deny social network, left Facebook, which did free up some time not being on Facebook, but starting a new business takes a lot of time. And I haven't really talked about it. Actually, I know I haven't. You know, everyone knew I was at the beach. I spent like Over half of April at the beach, I figured it out.
0: And where are you at in your book process? Well, the book is turned in. Is it completely 100% like you are completely done? Like, will there be anything else? No,
2: I'm done. like this, the way, you know, the way the process works with my editor anyway, because I know probably every editor is different. But, you know, it was originally due March 31st. And then I made all these bad decisions, like starting the social network and buying a new beach cottage that needed my attention. (laughs) And so I begged for a little more time. And so I got till May 7th. So, you know, I left the beach and then I had one week to finish it. But I was really almost done because I'd been working like night and day whenever I had a moment. Like, I've been working nonstop on something since January 1st, really. I've been working really hard. And so, I am completely done with the first part. Like, I've, I've revised it. I've reread the whole thing. It all flows. It makes sense. I've, you know, edited for—I'm sure there'll still be typos. There always are. They'll find them. But And now it's time for the editorial review. So she'll be like, we need to fix this part or this part sounds weird. You know, that's the part we're at where she's going to then send me notes of things that she wants me to tweak.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's what I was wondering about, like the tweaking, if there was going to be more of that. Well, there's always tweaking because I've just, this is just the first raw draft
2: to her. Okay. But I feel really good about it. Yeah. I spent the entire day on Friday just combing through it and reading it nonstop and, you know the wording, you know. Still though, you know, as a writer, if you read What When Wine right this minute, you would say, Oh, I should reword that. Cause you never are done. You're never done. You're like, oh, I wish I'd have said that a little bit differently. And sometimes it takes another person to read it to be like, I don't even know what this means. You know? <laughs> You're like, Well I know what it meant, but
0: It's <laughs> so funny.
2: It is. So anyway, I, I feel just like like I went to to Lowe's with Chad this morning and <laughs> I had time to do that. Yeah, you have your life back. I'm like, look, this is the world. I'm in it. Yeah. It really feels like I have my life back. And since I'm not on Facebook, you know, that took a whole lot of time. And, you know, the Delayed On tonight's social network is amazing. And But I'm not spending hours and hours and hours on it every day. Right. Yeah. Life is good. So anything new with you?
0: Just plugging away. I'm really upset I can't find... (laughs) for listeners, before we started recording, I spent like 20 minutes trying to find the study I wanted to talk about. I'm really shocked that I can't find it. I wanted to talk about it so bad. It, basically, I randomly saw a study. I don't know what made me search for it in the first place. It was comparing obese patients. I don't know if they were overweight or obese. This is why it would help if I could find it. Regardless, they were definitely overweight. They were on either low-carb or low-fat, calorie-restricted diets and it compared their weight loss, it was shocking. They looked at their like baseline level of insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance, and the patients that were insulin sensitive lost about twice the amount of weight on a low-fat diet, high-carb diet, and the people who were insulin resistant lost like twice the amount of weight on a low-carb, high-fat diet. That's amazing.
2: Again, everybody, it's not... We're all right and you're all wrong for the diet people. It's, we're all different. And it has to do with so many different factors. You know, it's it's funny when you read something written from someone who's a low-carb proponent, you know, s- trashing the low-fat era or the low-fat for people, you know, trashing the low-carb, high-fat movement. And, you know, I know for me personally, Jen Stevens, I lost weight eating low-fat, and got really, really thin, and I never once lost weight on low carb. That is a hundred percent, you know, anecdotal. That's me. That's my experience. But I mean, I'm not making it up. That is the truth,
0: you know. And so, what that would suggest, just based on that study, would be that you're probably insulin sensitive because you know the patients who were insulin sensitive lost more on the high carb, low fat diet. Well, I absolutely did.
2: I was the skinniest in my adult life when I was doing that. Honestly. I mean, I was, like, early 20s, but low-carb never did a thing for me. And, you know, I I tried really hard to, to make low-carb work for me because the science is so compelling in the way it's explained. And I believe that probably for a lot of bodies, that's exactly what happens. But my body, you know, no, that didn't lead to fat loss for me magically anyway. And I wasn't fasting with with either of them, you know, just to to make it clear. When I did low-fat, I was not fasting. And when I did low-carb, I was not fasting. Those were pre-fasting.
0: Yep. So I wish people could just understand this. I posted an Instagram video yesterday, and it's all the random little dietary myths that people think. You know, people think more ketones is always better, or ketones, you know, mean you're definitely burning body fat, or fat doesn't easily... Get stored as fat. Become fat. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, if I find that study, I will put it in the show notes. But yeah, it was really, really fascinating. Well, I can't wait to read that one. I want to read
2: it when you find it.
0: I don't know why I can't find it. Oh, oh, one other exciting thing. Yesterday was the Bulletproof conference, the biohacking virtual conference. Oh, how did that go? So for listeners, I did Dave Asprey's virtual biohacking conference that he has every year he had it this year and inside tracker was one of the speakers and they invited me to be a speaker with them i told jen this already but i got really excited because i didn't think that they were going to actually like put me on the website <laughs> you know i thought i was going to just be in the video but they actually listed me as a speaker for the conference and put my bio and put me in the lineup <laughs> it was very very surreal but i don't like watching myself <laughs> so I hadn't seen the video, but I did, I sort of briefly watched it. I like squinted my eyes and like (laughs) made sure it looked okay. But yeah, I think it went really well. And see, that is so weird since you're an
2: actress. I can't believe an actress who doesn't like to watch herself. I feel like it's a common thing though. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I'm a podcaster who doesn't like to listen to herself. So (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But when I do, I'm always like, hey, I don't sound that dumb. Yeah. I don't know how common it is. Not that I would think I'd come across sounding dumb, but you know, I mean, like sounding weird. You know what I mean? Like when you hear your own voice, you think you sound weird.
0: I was thinking about that because growing up, I used to not like my voice at all, but I don't mind it now. I think probably because I've done so much listening to it all the time. Exposure effect. Yeah, I bet so. All right. Well, shall we jump into everything for today? Let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have some listener feedback. The first thing comes from Nellie. The subject is life saving. And Nellie says, hello, ladies. I don't have a question. I wanted to take the time to say thank you. I found your podcast in January of 2019, and I've been hooked on listening to you both every week. And I've read all your books. I have lost 60 pounds and I'm still losing even through this pandemic and starting menopause. I really cannot thank you both enough for what you have done to change my life. I have struggled with my weight all my life, and I now have such a better relationship with food. I will never go back to my old way of unhealthy eating and counting every single calorie that enters my mouth. What a freeing and liberating feeling that is. So many people were so discouraging at the beginning. Still, I kept on because honestly, I was feeling so good. And the best feeling is when they see me now looking amazing in my skinny jeans with a healthy glow to my face, looking younger than I should. I've played it forward and passed on your books and podcasts to my sister and sister-in-law. And they are both also doing amazing. That was in all caps. (laughs) She says also because of you, Jen, I no longer suffer from horrible night sweats as I now can contribute them to yep. Sadly the wine frowny face. Or frowning I know, I'm frowning too. <laughs> she says, I don't believe I would have made that connection if I hadn't been following your podcast. It has opened my eyes to a better way of life, and I am truly, eternally grateful to both of you. Wishing you both continued success, Nellie from Canada. Well, awesome.
2: Yeah, and last night I drank a glass of wine. Not a huge glass, but, you know, we've been kind of celebrating here all week. You know, well, since Friday when I turned my book in. And so we were playing cards and Chad said, let us ha- let me open a bottle of wine. So I had a small glass of red wine, night sweats tossed and turned. So I told them, if he ever sees me drinking red wine again, slap it out of my hand. So I normally
0: drink, you know, dry from wines every night. And like, I'm, I'm really good with it. Like I sleep well. My O Ring says I sleep well. If I don't have dry from wines, like last night I went out. It was still organic biodynamic wine at the restaurant. But I had that. Well, mine was Dry Farm. We had Dry Farm that because I bought Dry Farm
2: red for Chad. I We have like a stash of it for him because he, he drinks, you know, a little glass of wine with dinner frequently, like very frequently. And sometimes I'm sad. I'm like, I want to drink a glass of wine too. But it really affects my sleep to the point that I mean, even the dry farm wine, I, th- I think it's the menopause. And Nellie said that that's what she's noticing as well. And I remember when I brought it up, when I was first trying to make the connection, how many women, it was in one of the Facebook groups, said, yep, that happened to me with menopause. So our bodies change in so many ways. Hormones are powerful, you know, and, and it didn't used to. You know, when I wrote Delay Don't Deny, I literally was having a glass of Prosecco every night with dinner. And it was not dry farm wines. It was Costco brand their prosecca, their house brand. And I was fine. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of factors. As you get older, your life is going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I,
0: had, I had a lot of wine last night. You had a lot of wine? Yes. It's so funny and fascinating to me how much my O-ring knows. It's like, it doesn't let you get away with anything. Like, it knows. Uh-huh. So you slept badly after not having Dry Farm Wine? I wake up and... Your ordering ring every morning gives you your readiness score and your sleep score. So your sleep score is how well you slept. And then your readiness score is, it takes into account how well you slept, as well as your heart rate variability and your body temperature and all of these things. It tells you how ready you are for the day and if you should rest or if you should relax. It's funny. I wake up and I'm like, I wonder if it's going to know. And it knows, it knows. <laughs>
2: Sherry Sherry Bullock that co hosts life lessons with me, she has an aura ring and she loves hers. But same thing, she's noticed a huge difference. And and certain things that she drinks affects her more. Like beer. If she has a beer, it doesn't affect her sleep as much, which is interesting.
0: Does not affect her. That's interesting. Not as much, no. Yeah. Cause I normally have probably half a glass or a glass of dry from wines every night. And I do really well with my sleep and readiness scores. But if I have too much. Yeah, I had a very small serving. It was not a full
2: glass. It was a small glass, and it was like probably the equivalent of half a
0: glass to three-fourths of one glass. Regardless, if friends would like dry farm wines,
2: I highly recommend it. Chad drinks it. I buy it for him, and I, I also have their sparkling and their white, and every now and then I'll have some of that. That doesn't affect me as badly. Something about that
0: red. It makes such a difference for me. But our link for it is dryfromwines.com slash ifpodcast and that gets you a bottle for a penny. And this will be over but right now they have a special rosé collection for Mother's Day. Do you like rosés? I do not. I don't really eat there that much. No, I, I always wanted to because they look so fun and
2: everyone is always so excited about drinking them. Like when I was at the beach getting the house ready, some of my college friends came to to celebrate with me and we stayed there and we were at a little wine tasting and I was driving. So all I did was literally taste it. They had a rosé and they're like, we love it. It was a sparkling rosé and they all bought it. And I'm like, Ugh, no, <laughs> but they all literally loved it. They loved it. Yeah. We agree on something. Yeah, we do. We
0: do. We agree on a lot of things.
2: Not usually what you're eating or drinking, though.
0: (laughs) Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 20% off one of my favorite things for truly taking charge of your health including testing something we talk about all the time, your insulin levels. So to live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source. That would be your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science backed recommendations on things that you can take control of to optimize your health. What I love about Inside Tracker is that Inside Tracker tests provide optimal ranges, not conventional ranges, for over 40 biomarkers, including magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol ferritin, which is the storage form of iron that is rare for doctors to test, ApoB, three key female biomarkers, and something I am so excited about, Inside tracker recently added insulin testing to their ultimate plan. Friends, I am thrilled about this. We talk about insulin all the time on this show. It is so relevant to your metabolic health and your lifespan. In particular, insulin tracking is an early warning sign for several chronic diseases and is a key indicator of energy-optimization. It can really let you know if your diet, if your fasting is working for you. You want to test your insulin. It is so hard to get doctors to test insulin, and now you can do it with Inside Tracker. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict, science backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, InsideTracker actually provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And for a limited time, our audience can get 20% off their ultimate plan, which includes testing that insulin, when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. So, if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit InsideTracker.com/IFPodcast. And one of the things I really love about inside Tracker is it helps you track all of your results, all of your tests over time, so you can see patterns, see your history. It makes predictions of where you'll be if you continue on your current trajectory. It is a game changer for making sense of your your labs. I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. Again, you can get 20% off their ultimate plan, including testing your insulin levels at InsideTracker.com slash IF podcast. And we will put all of this information in the show notes.
2: All right. So we have something from Amanda. It's feedback and the subject is gallstones information. She says, hi, Melanie and Jen. Thank you for your podcast. I always learn something. I have been managing gallstones for over 20 years now with at most one or two attacks a year, and have recently started IF with great success. I'm on the way back to great health. Since starting IF, I have only had one mild attack, and it was during the very earliest days. When I'm experiencing pain, I remove fats temporarily. Fats generate contractions of the gallbladder, which equals pain, and increase my intake of acids, especially lemon, which gives your liver what it needs to generate more bile. After 48 hours, I gently reintroduce fats in coffee, another contraction generator, and this seems to work well for me. I write to you because Melanie was saying she didn't know where to go for gallstone information. I got all of my best info from Dr. Sandra Cabot, who wrote a book about healing the liver and the gallbladder with nutrition. I hope this is helpful. Much love. Amanda from Victoria, Australia. Thank you, Amanda. That is very helpful to hear from someone who suffers from gallbladder issues. And also that she's been managing it for over 20
0: years and IF did not make it worse. I know. That's absolutely amazing. We'll put a link in the show notes to that book. People might find that really helpful. So, yeah, it was really nice to get back some feedback from somebody who specifically experienced this and had, you know, the effects with IF. So. Do people ask about that a lot still, Jen? Well, not really.
2: No. I mean, sometimes people will pop in and say, "I heard intermittent fasting is bad for your gallbladder." And then we have to like answer that. Like just like the question we had that I think started the whole thing. And but again, like I said, what we don't hear a lot of is people who are like, "I've never had gallbladder problems before and now all of a sudden I am." I mean, I feel like we would. That I I feel like, you know, in the in the groups with, you know, half a million people, and facebook you know before i left facebook i think we would have heard
0: that a lot and we didn't people really want you know like randomized controlled trials and all of these studies and stuff but it's like what value is there to the n of 1 so like you know personal anecdotes there's huge value also like you know large numbers of people with personal anecdotes yeah,
2: it's just like crowdsourcing the information. And and that's, you know, there's a study they're doing right now in France, but they're, you know, they're crowdsourcing how people are living and and people are inputting it into apps. And I, I think that's how they're going to be collecting data for a lot of things going forward. And I know it's not a randomized controlled, you know, study, but there are even flaws with all those. I mean, if you try, you can nitpick any study. Somebody can come along and say, well, here's the flaw there. Here's the flaw here, you know. There's always something. You can't control for every variable. And
0: even changes become another variable. Because looking at like a large group of people is sort of similar to like a correlational study. But I just think there's something to seeing it consistently over the years, like with like a huge group, like the Facebook groups or something, you know, even though it's less official. Right. It doesn't have
2: any weight, but it should. Count for something, because I can tell you what we had over and over. Cholesterol goes up right after people start fasting. You know, people, they might lose hair. Yes, if they overstress their body with the fasting and their body perceives it as a stress. Or they have increased acne for a while. Yes, we see those things so many times. New gallbladder problems, not a lot. And definitely not more than I think you would have it in the regular population, because gallbladder issues are hugely common. So we would expect to see a certain amount of them, but we really didn't see very many.
0: As I said before, it's telling. It is. All right. Shall we go on to our first question? Yes. So our first question comes from Mandy. The subject is body odor. Side note, I used to be obsessed with the name Mandy. Growing up, I thought it was a beautiful name. Well, it is a beautiful name. (laughs) (laughs) Did you wish your name was Mandy instead of Melanie? Sorry. I'm like actually contemplating this answer. I possibly, possibly, I'm not sure. Oh, and I just thought of a random story, but we can come back to it. Mandy, the subject is body odor and Mandy says, Melanie and Jen, I learned so much from your podcast. Thank you for showing up in my earbuds every week to keep me motivated. I am 43 years old and consider myself fairly healthy. I live an active lifestyle, watch what I eat and I'm hardly ever sick. For years, I have struggled with a bad body odor, specifically from my armpits. A daily shower was a non-negotiable, but even then it didn't always keep it at bay. Stressful situations, confrontational conversations or public speaking would worsen the situation. I've made one big change in my lifestyle lately. I've switched from protein pacing my food to a 24 intermittent fasting, typically six days a week. My body odor is all but gone. Could this be a wonderful side benefit from the IF lifestyle? Thank you in advance for your thoughts. All right, body odor. That's a great question and we do hear this from
2: people. First of all, we hear it both ways. We hear that they'll initially have like really worse body odor for a while, we've heard that. And then it gets better. And so, we have actually heard it, you know, why why is this happening? You know, we we're just theorizing here because I don't think there's been a study on fasting and body odor that I've ever seen. Have you seen one, Melanie? I have not. <laughs> that would be a pretty specific topic to be studying. But, you know, think about what's happening under those armpits. You know, your body is releasing, you know, sweat. What comes out with your sweat? Not just sweat. You know, we sweat out toxins. So, and then why do we smell? Because it's not the sweat itself that smells. It's what's happening with the little bacteria in, in, under there or whatever is going on in that little closed up area, making it have that lovely smell. So I guess it's whatever's coming out and what those little bacteria do with it, that sort of thing.
0: I'm not a sweat expert, by the way, or I'm not a body odor expert. (laughs) Yeah. My personal experience with fasting and body odor was actually, I think when I first actually went low carb was when I, my body odor significantly went down. And then when I started doing fasting, it all but disappeared. And then It didn't come back until, well, this is interesting and this is all anecdotal. Again, going back to one of one for a long period of time, it would only come back if I had food that didn't agree with me, I would get body odor, which was really, really interesting. The example I'm thinking of is if I got sick and I was having a lot of like cough drops and stuff with different ingredients, I specifically remember I would get body odor. I think I just am very, very sensitive to detoxing that way. Somebody posted about this the other day, in my group, IF Biohackers, but they were saying the opposite, that they were experiencing increased body odor with fasting and would it go away? I think a lot of people experience that as well because they get sort of a detox effect during the fast. That's, I think so. Mm -hmm. So, so Jen mentioned it. it, it involves a lot of things It can involve the actual like detox. It can involve the bacteria. Interestingly, I didn't really realize the extent of our entire body has a microbiome. I don't think I really appreciated that until recently, but I read it in two books recently talking about it, specifically our gut microbiome, our oral and our mouth microbiome. Did you know our breasts have a microbiome, Jen?
2: Hmm. I'm not surprised. Like the first time that really I had my eyes open to it is when I interviewed a dentist for intermittent fasting stories. And she was talking about your oral microbiome.
0: You know we've got all these little critters living everywhere, and apparently one of the books I said there's even and I have to research this further, but it said there's even like a, a microbiome cloud that's like around us. I need to research that. I wouldn't be surprised though. Kind of like if you think of like Linus or is it the the dirty the dirty one in, in Charlie Brown? Oh, that's Pigpen. Pigpen. Yeah. Point being, I assume there's most likely, a, you know, a gut microbiome population under your armpits that could be playing a factor. Also, it's interesting that she switched from protein pacing, which I'm, I'm not sure. I'm assuming that's having like small amounts of protein throughout the day. I would guess. I don't know. I've not heard it called protein pacing, but that sounds logical. Depending on the amount of protein I eat, I can experience smells related to that, which is interesting. And I think it has to do with protein metabolism. But... Yes, that answer was all over the place. It's a thing.
2: We do hear it. If you start fasting and something changes about your body odor either direction, yes, it's probably the fasting. <laughs> Cause we have
0: heard it heard it both ways. I do think that if it's a detox effect, you don't want to be in a state of detox forever. Like I think there's people who feel like they get stuck in this detox state and they're just constantly detoxing for ever and ever and ever. And I encourage people who are experiencing that to maybe reevaluate because that's a whole argument in the whole holistic health world about, you know, Herxheimer reactions and detox and is detox a good thing? Is detox a bad thing? As far as like your experience of it with negative side effects, my point with all of that is if you have the body odor, well, she's talking about not having the body odor, but if you are experiencing body odor with fasting and and it doesn't stop, there's probably something else going on that you might want to revisit.
2: Well, you know, it could be your fat cells dumping out some kind of weird toxin and you've gotten to that, you know, that layer of whatever coming out. Yeah, true. Whatever goes in is going to come out. That's the thing. And it's kind of like if you shove a bunch of crap under the bed, you know, you're going to have to pull it back out when you're doing the cleaning. And it might not be pleasant if it's been in there a long time. I'm thinking about when my boys were little and how much grossness would be under their beds. (laughs) I would always get so mad. I was always, like, infuriated by the end of the process. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Maybe all the other listeners, maybe they just told their children to clean their rooms and their rooms were cleaned. But at our house, no. They would hide things away. And and I would go, you know, digging around, and it, it was not pretty.
0: I remember I was always so in awe of how my mom could find anything. You know, like if you lose something, your mom can find it. And I just never understood that. Oh, it's true. We can. We could find anything. Yeah. I still don't understand. <laughs> how does she find the things? We just do.
2: We just do. It's still true even to this day, even though it's only Chad and me here. I find, I can find anything. Yeah.
0: I don't understand.
2: He'll call. I'm not even home. I'll be at the beach and he'll call me and I know where stuff is.
0: Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> I will say though, one last plug is if you are using conventional deodorant, I cannot recommend enough not to do so with the aluminum content. I think it's really, really important to switch to safe deodorant because plugging up our armpits with, well, first of all, just the idea of plugging up our armpits when those are supposed to be letting toxins out is, it just seems a little bit counterproductive. And then on top of that, aluminum likely has toxicity in the body. So... I know we've had Native as a sponsor before on the show. They have a great deodorant and then Beauty Counter has an amazing deodorant. So those are two options. I really like, I like the Beauty Counter a lot.
2: Which scent did you like? Coconut. But I like lavender too. I bet you like the rose, don't you? I do not like the, I don't like rose. People, it smells like rose. If you like the way rose smells, you would love it. I actually like the coconut the most. Do you? Okay. Because I was just thinking how we would be the opposite. You would like the rose. Yeah. (laughs) You seem like someone who would like rose. Why is that?
0: Really? I don't like
2: lavender. And you said you like lavender. Oh, see, I do love lavender. I love lavender. I get a headache. Okay.
0: It makes me so happy. Yeah, it doesn't make me happy. (laughs) So,
2: But they smell very, very true to what they are. So if you know you love coconut, you would love the coconut. If you know you like lavender, you would love the lavender. And if you know you love rose, you would love the rose. My sister is someone who loves rose. That would be one for
0: her. Rose is approachable. For me, in general, I don't like scents that much. Though I wish they had an unscented one. I love getting that little whiff of coconut. I like coconut, though. That's why, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm at the beach. So I know it feels summery. Can I just tell you that
2: the beach is my favorite? I tried to talk Chad into selling our house and moving there all the time. <laughs> He's like, "You are crazy." And I'm like, "Yeah, probably, but I could live in a thousand less than a thousand square feet, right? All I need is just a few things." Yeah, minimalist. I, well, you know, I could I could go minimalist
0: anyway. I just love the ocean so much. Yeah. My family's there right now too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. Oh, wait, can I tell you the story that I remembered really quick? Yep. Because you were asking me when I was little, did I want to change my name? Do you know like Mendel's genetics? I do. When you do the little Mendelian, whatever they're called. Yeah. Have I told this story before?
2: I love the little punnett squares. Is that what they're called? Punnett squares where you put in the little... Big B, little B, or whatever, and you try to figure out the genetics. He was like studying peas and then he figured out. Yeah. So dominant and recessive. Yeah. I think those are called Punnett squares that you, you apply those. Anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I saw something about him yesterday and I got hit with this memory and then I asked my mom about it for clarification. So, okay, this is a two parter. So in kindergarten, apparently I got very upset that we didn't have homework. So I asked my mom and the teacher if I could have homework. So they let me pick an assignment to do. So I decided to read a book about Louis Armstrong and I did a book report on it with my dad and turned it into the teacher for a grade. And then in first grade, I asked if I could do it again. The teacher said I could. So I, in first grade, I got a book on Mendel. (laughs) peas and genetics and i did a report on it with my dad and i presented
2: it to the class (laughs) that reminds me of cal my son cal my older son he totally did stuff like that i I can remember when he was in first grade first grader (laughs) well cal did he wrote a book In first grade, he wrote a book. He, like, stapled the paper together and wrote the book and illustrated it. And he was in first grade, and he was reading it to his class. And his teacher said, I'm pretty sure Cal just needs to skip on to second grade. And that's what we did. (laughs) Because the other first graders are like, what's happening? Cal's like, this is the book I wrote over the weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Me and Cal would have been
0: such good friends, Cal and I.
2: You would have been really good friends. He read like all the presidential biographies in order when he was in elementary school, but he had to read them in order.
0: That's so funny. It's such foreshadowing. So like first grade, I was doing a book report on genetics. And then, you know, how many years later I'm interviewing David Sinclair. But yeah, good times. Good times. That's right. I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, non-stop from all of the hottest brands and it is so incredibly easy. It's called melanieavalansecloset.com. We have so many incredible brands including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more, think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hack. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually Immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So, technically, you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I am obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalanceCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. Anyways, shall we move on to our next question? Yes, we have
2: a question from Carrie,
0: subject how to stop binging.
2: She says, first of all, I love your guys' podcast and have been listening since last spring. At the beginning, I was super committed to IF, and then lately I've kind of stopped. I'm starting to pick it back up again, but I've gotten into the routine of working out at 6 a.m. every day, mainly cardio because I love swimming and biking. I've been trying to do a window from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m., But it seems like when I break my fast in the evening, I tend to binge before my window is done. I'll eat anything sweet that I see and just endless snacks. Then I feel really gross and sleep badly. When I stick to it, though, and have that self-control to limit myself and not eat past seven or eight, I feel great. My question for you girls is about the fasting window and what would be appropriate. In my workouts, I tend to burn upwards of five to 800 calories, according to my Apple Watch, and I get pretty hungry afterwards, but I can ignore it and wait until 1 or 2. But that's when I binge and eat everything. If I had a window from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. instead, how would that change the fast? Would that affect fat burning and metabolism any differently than a later window? And do you think that would help? I'm 23 and 5'4, and currently 137 pounds. I'm trying to get to 122 pounds. That's my goal weight. But I know if I look good and feel good, I'm not too worried about being that number. I just feel like I need a goal to lose the weight. Last summer, when consistently doing IF, I stayed around 130 and was content, but still didn't have the best diet. And now with working out more to compete in open water swims, I feel like I need to nourish my body better. But for some reason, I always have a tendency to eat poorly after I break my fast. SOS, I need your guys' knowledge and help. I'm almost at my wit's end trying to find something that works and get myself to stop binging. It's really making me feel gross and mentally making me struggle. I wish I knew one thing, Melanie. I wish I knew when she started back to intermittent fasting cuz binging is more common during the adjustment phase and yeah you know, cuz your body's not tapping into your fat stores yet so you're not well fueled during the fast if she's in the adjustment phase that would be normal but let's just assume she's not so if you're in the adjustment phase then that's normal and it will go away but we're going to assume that you're not in the adjustment phase to answer the
0: question okay perfect my thoughts about this are she's asking well, sort of two questions, what fasting window would best support her not binging and also what fasting window would best support fat burning and metabolism. Like I wouldn't overanalyze which one is going to create the most fat burning and metabolism. I would focus on which window supports not binging. Yeah, because I think it's kind of like what they say with exercise, you know, the best exercise is the exercise that you do. It's better probably to be, you know, having an active lifestyle, doing consistent exercise in your life, even if it's not as quote fat burning exercise compared to quote fat burning exercise that you don't like doing and it's hard to stick to. So applying that to the fasting, I would play around with the window to find the window that makes you least likely to binge and stick to that. I would really, really, really suggest, because I think this approach will work how do you think we say her name? Carrie? I said Carrie. Yeah, she spells it in a really interesting, beautiful way. I would really suggest checking out Glenn Livingston's Never Binge Again. I really think his approach would work for you, Carrie, like 100%. I've had him on my show twice, so I'll put links to that in the show notes. His approach is addressing the the binge triggers. And I've, I've talked about it a lot on the show, but I just... I just think it's so, so helpful. Just to speak to how incredible it is, it has... Because I'm really good friends with him. And I talk to him actually almost daily. (laughs) And his book just got over 10,000 reviews on Amazon, which is insane. So, I mean, that just goes to show how many people it's really working for. You talk to Dr. Livingston daily? Yeah. (laughs) We're great friends. (laughs) Yeah. He's a wonderful human being. Yeah. So, I would really check out his approach because... It basically addresses the, he calls it the pig. He talks about having like a food plan, but in your case, your food plan would be your eating window or the foods that you feel like you're binging on, identifying that voice that is telling you, you know, to binge and to eat and just like not listening to it. And it sounds really simple and like that it couldn't work because the answer is you just don't do it. But once you read it, you'll understand like how it can actually work. So I think combining a window that would work for you, which we can talk a little bit about which window we think that that would be, then with the techniques like you, that you might learn and never binge again, you can probably find some freedom from these binge triggers. What window would you suggest, Jen, for like the timing? You know, here's, here's something that's important. You know, she
2: said she's doing swimming. And we know that swimming burns a lot of fuel. Because first of all, it's you're in the water. And so just, you know, the the effect of of the heat loss from your body to the water. You know, swimmers need more fuel. And so the fact that it's swimming, I think, is relevant. You know, like what was it? Michael Phelps needed 10,000 calories a day when he was training. I was just reading about that yesterday. Not that, you know, we want you to count calories. But the urge to binge is a sign that your body is not well-fueled. And I talk about this in Fast Feast Repeat, which is why I said it's it's common at the beginning during the adjustment phase when your body is not metabolically flexible yet and you're not well-fueled. Your body's like, come on now, we're starving to death. Eat, eat, eat. And it's really hard to fight against your body telling you you're not well-fueled. We are... Designed to eat if our body feels like we're panic, like in a panic situation. So the fact that you're binging, if you're not in the adjustment phase is probably your body saying, "Hey, you're not fueling me enough for this amount of activity that you're doing. So I would listen, and I would probably adjust your window earlier. You might need to do two meals and maybe you need an eight hour window. And you know, Make a plan for how you're going to open your window instead of just grabbing what's there. Because again, if your body is saying you are not well-fueled, it is sending you the signal to eat whatever's around. And so it's really hard to ignore that driven, I must eat more, when it's your body really having that physiological reason that you're not well-fueled. The urge to binge can can really you know, let you know you're not fueling yourself well enough. That's not the only reason people binge. you know. So I, I don't want people to think the only reason people binge is if they ha- aren't eating enough because that's not the only reason. But the urge to binge can be a really strong indication that you're not fueling your body well enough. And then people feel weak and they feel guilty and they're like, I'm so bad. What's wrong with me? But it, it's, it's not
0: you. You're fighting biology. Speaking to that, it was such a good interview, Jen. I interviewed Dr. Will Cole for his intuitive fasting book.
2: Well, good. I'm glad it was a
0: good one. Yeah, I interviewed him, what is today, like a few days ago? And he thought it was going to be well embraced. He got a lot of backlash from the intuitive
2: eating community. I keep my eye on fasting books and see what people are saying about them. And so I've read all those. They really did not like the word (laughs) intuitive fasting. And that really makes me sad because, you know, I've tried to be an intuitive eater for so many years and read all the intuitive eating books, all of them. And I did not connect with my hunger and satiety signals until I started fasting. So being an intuitive eater without fasting is when I weighed 210 pounds. And I was also eating, you know, because they tell you in all the books, they're like, if you're craving something, eat that thing you're craving, okay? So my body's great, craving that I go to McDonald's. I was eating that food, and I wasn't nourishing my body, and so I never got the I've had enough signals. Basically, that approach to eat whatever you want whenever you feel like you're hungry didn't ever work for me. But coupling it with fasting, well, and, and I didn't ever mean to couple it together, but when I started fasting— I suddenly became more in tune with my hunger and satiety signals. And when I started improving the quality of the food that I was eating, I got even more in touch. So like the way they said, eat whatever you want whenever you want to and stop when you've had enough worked 0% for me. But combining it with fasting and food quality was a miracle. So that's why it's so sad that they, they didn't like his work.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And in the conversation, <laughs> it was amazing. I literally said at the end, I told him, I was like, I think this is like the conversation I've enjoyed the most that I've ever had about fasting, just because we we dived into everything that you just said, which is basically the idea of like, can you be intuitive if the situation in your body is one that is not necessarily supporting intuitive choices.
2: I would say the answer for me was a resounding no. I was unable to be intuitive because if I asked myself at any point during the day, are you hungry? My body said, "Yeah." And because I wasn't nourishing my body well, but but they insisted, you know, the books I read insisted that you know, you're not judging food, you're just listening to your body and learning to do that. And well, my body was like, "Eat some more fries." And that was really bad advice from my body at the time. <laughs>
0: The other day I was listening to an episode on intuitive eating with an intuitive eating person, and they were saying that, like, in their protocol, how you basically needed to learn to, you know, how you could have just one Oreo or have a root beer. Oh, it clearly works beautifully for some people. Yeah, and some people... They don't have that like addictive response to it. Like they can work and maybe they struggle with Oreos and they have food fears, but because of their type of personality, maybe they could integrate that protocol and they could learn to have just one Oreo. But I think a lot of people are not like that. And I think Oreos are <laughs> designed to make you want more and they're providing no nutrition. So they're, they're not providing anything your body needs. So I think people, like they might hear this in the intuitive eating moment and then they'll feel like failures when they can't you know, have just one. And, and I don't know if that's like a healthy approach for everybody, right? I I don't think it is. Well, because if I had one Oreo, right
2: even now, if I went to my kitchen, I don't have Oreos in my kitchen, but if I did, if I went in my kitchen and had one Oreo, then I would be starving. And then I would I would be more likely to overeat because of the, you know, the cascade of response that my body would have to the Oreo and my blood glucose would crash. And then I would be eating just whatever and I'd be starving. And versus if I ate, you know, highly nutritious foods, like, you know, I love daily Harvest their bowls. If I eat, you know, open my window with one of those, I'm satisfied because I've nourished my body. And I've, I've learned that over time. It was because of fasting that I was able to become intuitive. So I love the name of his book, but yeah, people really did not like that. <laughs> like, I I actually think that's a beautiful,
0: a beautiful name for a book. I haven't read it, I'm really excited that I interviewed, because usually with these books, I interview, not usually, well, a large portion of the time I interview the authors like way before the book has come out. It would have been a very different conversation if I had interviewed him before it came out because we wouldn't have focused on, you know, that debate, but because it was after it came out, that took up such a large part of what we talked about. And I I just, I'm so excited to release this episode because I think, yeah, it was a really great resource. Well,
2: I think it's an important conversation. And I mean, I would identify myself as an intuitive faster. And I, I think I even said that in Fast Feast Repeat. I think I used the word intuitive in there when I talked about it. Oh, dear.
0: <laughs> no, I'm saying like, good thing you didn't get any backlash from.
2: Well, I, I didn't because you have you read all the way to that point before you. They all didn't even read his book. They just read the title.
0: Oh, yeah. We talked about that, too. Like how how frustrating it can be when. <laughs> People don't even read your work and then... You know, like
2: with Delay, Don't Deny. Sometimes people have read the title of Delay, Don't Deny and think that I'm in there telling you to eat as much food as you can. Quality doesn't matter. I didn't say that. It's any time. There's no time in Delay, Don't Deny that I said eat whatever you want as much as you want. It does not matter. And like this sounds like a review of just the title.
0: (laughs) So... So in any case, I'll put a link. Well, I don't think that'll be out by the time this comes out. Once it is, people can find it. The reason I went on that whole tangent, well, Jim was talking about it too with her experience, but I would say, Carrie, that because she says that with the binging, she struggles with eating anything sweet and endless snacks. You don't have to have those in the house. Depending on what it is that you're eating, if you're finding certain foods are triggering binge-like behavior, I would encourage you not to buy those foods and not have them in the house especially if there's something that like we just said are going just going to perpetuate the cravings and wanting more
2: i agree with that yeah like doritos i love doritos i don't have them in the house i really would eat too many anything cheese puffy do you like cheese puffs at all like pirate booty or any of those different cheese puffs like i love pirate booty or any of they have like organic versions of all that stuff you know It's still ultra-processed food. You can have organic, ultra-processed food. (laughs) It just doesn't mean it's, you know, doesn't mean it's, like, great for you just because it's organic. But I get no stop-eating signal when I eat those. Like, I could eat an entire giant bag and feel like I've had nothing, and then now I'm starving. Yeah. So, I mean, do I never eat those foods again for the rest of my life? No, I will eat those foods, and but it's best for me not to bite them and have them around a lot. It's such worth knowing yourself. You know, you have to know yourself and what works for you and what does not. Look, I'm a slow learner. I just talked about how I had red wine last night, and <laughs> I keep saying, no more of that," and then I'm, "Oh, I like that that dog on uh, Squirrel." That's one of my favorite movies. I should watch that movie again.
0: I do like that movie. I had a really long conversation about squirrels last night.
2: Oh, well, that's interesting.
0: What was the context? The squirrels. We were talking about how squirrels <laughs> they don't have squirrels in Hawaii i don't think and people from Hawaii come to america and like are fascinated by squirrels
2: well, you know, I was in Connecticut one summer, and the, I don't know, what was it, gophers or groundhogs? And I don't even know what it was. But something that was like, I was at the University of Connecticut. I spent a week there. It's called Confortute, and it was for gifted teachers, and it was amazing. But it was at University of Connecticut, and they, like, have all these tunnels, and you see them all over the campus. I'm like, oh, my God, there's another one. Oh, my God, there's another one. Probably, like, the way people. And they pop up? Yes, and they're they're everywhere. And I'm sure the people up there are like, you know, what was that movie, Caddyshack, where he was trying to blow them up? It was, I could see why, because they were everywhere, but they were so cute.
0: I don't think I've, yeah, I don't think I've seen. No, we don't have them down here. Whatever they were, they were big. We're so used to our environment. Like the animals that we are used to, if we had never seen them before and then we saw one, we would be so fascinated. Oh, yeah, I went on a dolphin cruise when I was at the beach. My friend Sherry and I, we went out on a boat and we got
2: to see dolphins and it was amazing and I was so excited. I don't think I would ever get tired of dolphins, though. They just seem like really wonderful animals. Oh, can I tell you a fun Mother's Day story speaking of animals? Of course. So we have been having a bird trapped in our garage every day. Chad likes to have the garage door open during the day, and then we close it at night. So every morning when I get up, there's been a bird in the garage flapping around. And I'm like, why are these birds getting in our garage? So I open the door, and the birds you know, fly out. This morning, again, bird in the garage. Then I realized we have a bird nest in our garage. It's a mama bird. It's not different birds every day. So it happened while I was at the beach. Chad apparently kept the garage door open like all the time because I would be the one who would close it. So she had time while I was at the beach to come in and build a nest and lay her eggs. Chad looked up there. We've got eggs in there. So today's Mother's Day and we have a mama bird. And so we're not going to close the garage. We're just going to lock the house door at night until the birds vacate the premises. But that's exciting. I thought that was a good Mother's Day story. I love that. She's a mama bird. And she is just like, oh, no, I'm trapped in here again. Oh,
0: well. (laughs) It's like, are you my mother?
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that
0: book. Although, do we talk about this? I was revisiting that in my head. Technically, the bird would have thought the first thing that it saw was its mother. It would have thought the rock.
2: Yeah, because it would imprint on whatever it was. That's what they do. That is true.
0: Yeah, they wouldn't go around. Keep asking.
2: <laughs> that's true. But that is a great, great book.
0: Well, do we want to do the one quick clean fast question? That's really short. Sure. Okay. One last question from Joshi. The subject is clean fast question. Thank you guys so much. I love you both and all the endless knowledge you have about the subject. Would it be okay to chew fennel seeds or cloves during the clean fast instead of sugar-free gum to help as a breath freshener? Thanks. The answer is no. <laughs> that was easy. No, you don't want to chew anything. Don't
2: chew anything. Don't chew fennel seed or I mean, anything that's food-like. Fennel seeds, that's food. Clothes, food. Food, food flavor, you don't want that. Also, don't fr- chew you know the sugar-free gum. You don't want anything that's sweet. So I'm sorry. As far as a breath freshener goes, I just have really found I brush my tongue if I need to. I've got Wow Drops, which are just peppermint oil, a little chlorophyll. They don't have any sweeteners. But I don't use them all the time. Like if I'm somewhere in public and I'm going to be running into people, then I'll I'll use some. But most of the time, I mean, my breath is not bothering anybody but me. Especially now in the mask era, right, Melanie? With breath, we're like protected. (laughs) Brushing my tongue makes a huge difference.
0: Using a tongue scraper for me. Have you ever used a tongue
2: scraper? No, I just brush. I've
0: heard a lot of people talk about tongue scrapers. I just haven't ever had one. Huge difference. I'll put a link in the show notes. They make a huge difference. Yeah, I have sort of an oral breath fixation. Like you really don't want to have bad breath.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Just stay six feet away. No, (laughs) from anyone else. Now, I don't get really close to strangers anyway. And when I was a teacher, like I learned when I would bend over a kid's desk, I didn't like exhale all over them. I mean, I don't know. I kept my, kept my breath to myself whenever I could. And no one ever said, oh, my God, your breath is so bad, Dr. Stevens. And they would have. They would have. they Oh, my Lord, children, they would have. Yeah. They would have said, your breath is bad if my breath was bad. But I <laughs> tried not to breathe it on them. Even when I was fasting, because, you know, towards the end, I was
0: drinking my black coffee, and I was an intermittent faster, and nobody complained. I just put the peppermint and the peppermint oil in the little spray bottles, and I— obsessively carry them around. But yeah, I would use the wow drops if I, if I felt like I
2: needed to get close to somebody. Oh, let me tell you one thing not to do. Do not use wow drops and then put on a mask. Oh, I've done that with my peppermint. It will burn your eyes. I've done that. You're like, we we went to Costco yesterday because, again, now I'm free. I can go to all the stores as much as I want. Like, I've forgotten how to get around town. I've been stuck at home doing all this work. And so Chad and I are walking through Costco, and you know that we still have the mask requirement at Costco. And so I had just used some wow drops, and I put on my mask, and
0: I was like, whoa, bad idea. And my nose was burning, too. Like I said, I make my own with peppermint. And sometimes I make it stronger by accident than I mean to, and... Yes, if you do that and then put on the mask, I'm like crying. It's like, wow.
2: <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I'm sorry for that. No fennel seeds, no clove, no sugar-free gum. And peppermint is really gray area. You may find peppermint does not work for you. It fortunately does work for me. My, my body does not consider that to be food. Works for me 100%. But it doesn't work for everybody. I've definitely had people say that it does not work for them. Their body perceives it as food coming in. Yeah, I find that so fascinating because for me, it just like kills my appetite completely. It's just to me unrelated to appetite. Do you know what makes me hungry, though? I've realized recently that is shocking that that my body does perceive as food. It's on the yes list. It's okay for fasting. Yeah, I thought this was true, and I now know that it is. Okay, so it's not coffee. No, coffee does not make me hungry unless it's a nitro cold brew. I can't have those because my body thinks that's sweet and creamy. So is it a tea? No, I don't like any tea. I don't have any tea.
0: I'm trying to think what else would be. So it's on the yes list? Yeah. It's not a beverage. I'm just trying to think like what you would be. Although you
2: could put it in a beverage.
0: I'm trying to think what you would be using that you could put it in a beverage. I'm very much invested in this.
2: Something you could put in a beverage that doesn't break the fast, And some people like go crazy about telling you you're supposed to have this all the time particularly keto people ice no ice does not no not lemon oh definitely not lemon
0: oh this is really fun this is really fun i love guessing games
2: i've stumped you when i say it you're gonna be like oh yeah of course you're gonna know what is it that people in the keto community who also do fasting always tell everybody no matter what their ailment you need to have some blank water no oh salt yeah salt makes me starving starving. I was refilling a salt shaker recently during the fast. Like I have the little pink Redmond salt granules and I was refilling it because it came from Amazon. That's where I order it. And I was pouring it in the little salt shaker and I dropped one on the table and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a little piece of salt. And I popped it in my mouth and then I was starving, like starving, starving. My body is like, we are going to eat now. I mean, it was close to time to eat, but I mean, it was like so immediate.
0: That is so interesting.
2: Yeah. But I've I've noticed it before, and I thought, could this be true? But it was really a very clear connection for me. I'm also someone who really craves salty things. So I wonder if that, you know, salty is like a real signal to me that it's food. I don't know. I mean, it's really whatever your brain is thinking about. My brain was like, time to eat. It was a signal to my brain, even though salt does not break the fast because it's a mineral. Anyway, I'm not somebody popping salt crystals during the day, typically. But anyway, so interesting.
0: I was so confused. I was like, what can it be? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, in any case, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions to the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 214. And you can also get all these stuff we like at iofpodcast.com slash stuff we like. And you can follow us on Instagram. Still my favorite place to be, sort of. Minus not liking taking pictures. I'm Melanie Avalon, Jen Jen Stevens. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, I'm happy that you have your life back. Thank you. And happy Mother's Day. It
2: feels amazing. Thank you. And I will talk
0: to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. The music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.